When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. This is a test. This station is conducting a test of the emergency broadcasting system. This is only a test. Of all these opinions, this is the one that continues to blindside me, dumbfound me, gobsmack me, thunderstrike me. blasphemy. Absolute blasphemy. Okay, it's happening. Everybody stay calm. What's the procedure, everyone? What's the procedure? Stay calm! This is the Overreaction Podcast. I am Chase. With me, as always, my man Cody. What is going on today? And enjoying the enjoying the holiday, the day off right now as we're recording you know, Memorial Day. I want to give all the shout outs to all the military folks out there. I'm coming from a military family as well, so definitely want to give all the shout out and praise and remember all the veterans that have served before us and everything like that today. I know it'll be Wednesday whenever y'all are hearing this, but definitely want to give that shout out before I really get into this one, man. Yep. Happy Memorial Day to to everybody out there. Hopefully uh, you and your family are having a great extended weekend. And as you mentioned, you know, remembering all of those uh, who have uh, lost their lives for this country, for us to have our freedom. Um, I'm a vet myself. My whole family is a has, you know a line of vets. Uh, it's just kind of something that's in our blood. So a uh, big, big fun day, fun weekend for us. Um, but it's also some sometimes you got to uh, just remember the, the fallen ones. But uh yeah, so we'll kind of dive into things here this week. You know, we have uh, we took took a little time off. We we've wrapped up the series of, of move, you know making moves. We're gonna get into some more trades, and I know you're working on a lot of stuff. And and you found some fun stats that we're gonna dive into here because you're working on your projections for this off season, and we'll we'll kind of dive into some of that. You know, if you want to kind of give a little rundown of what that looks like and why. Yeah, yeah, I do. I do projections for every team every single year. Sometimes it gets a little bit more complete. and I'm able to make a couple more passes as we get closer to the season and things change because obviously we're way far away from what the final outcome of the rosters will look like. But it's a good it's a good process. Um, I go through for like 14 players each on each team deep. So it's it's extensive. Uh, my entire my entire Memorial Day weekend has been I spent 12 hours on this last night and did 12 teams. So it's a, it's a long grinding process, but I actually I really do enjoy the process of it. Uh, you find some cool and interesting nuggets out along the way. If you're following me on Twitter at Cody Smith TFDR on on over there, I was tweeting out some of those today, and we're actually going to dive into some of those a little bit further and a little bit more context of what it means for dynasty fantasy football. But we've got some we've got some other news that's happening around the league as we approach this June first cutoff that's going to be coming one day after y'all are hearing this. So tomorrow, as y'all are hearing it, the June first deadline is approaching, and we've got some names along that that have been moving around. Yeah, you know the big name that obviously got cut was, and we already know the release. We we assumed it was going to be a post June first designation, but that is not the case. DeAndre Hopkins is a free agent now, and uh, and they're just going to eat the cap space this year. Does not matter to to Arizona since obviously they have zero intention of using that cap space to get better. Uh, they're right. going to be as bad as possible if they if they can. So yeah, DeAndre Hopkins is a free agent and. That's kind of been the big name we've been waiting to drop. It seemed like everyone was concerned he was going to stay in Arizona and his his fantasy value took a hit. But now he's on the open market. He gets to choose his destination. Um, and, and it sounds like it's down to two, maybe four teams that are actually interested in that he should have interest in as well. Yeah, it sounds like the the two horses at the top are going to be KC and Buffalo. And 
truthfully, man, that both fantastic landing spots, the dynasty community, fantasy community overall is going to lose their minds if it happens. And you know, we we had talked to some people about potentially going out and buying D Hop now that you know he's not going to be there, and we we talked through it. And, you're you're already having to pay up those prices like he's already on Kansas City or Buffalo. Your buy window's almost gone. Um, fortunately, you know I was uh, he's my most owned player in Dynasty, <laughs> and so I've got like five shares of him across my leagues. And luckily, I bought into him during the portion of the time where it wasn't look like looking like he was going to be able to leave Arizona. But that buy window is closed. I really think unless you want to overpay right now, you're probably not getting yourself any more D hop shares because it does look like he's going to be attached to the arm of either Patrick Mahomes or Josh Allen. And that's wheels up. If it does happen. And I think that's the big thing to note, right? Like D hop, we all assumed he was going to get cut or traded, but his, his actual fantasy value was still taking that hit because he was on the Cardinals. And if, if that, if the owner in your league held through everything, that person is now wanting max value. And they are going to assume like you're paying the price that they are on Kansas City or Buffalo. There is a realistic possibility that he goes to some other team, right? Like, you know, one one that was brought up was Tennessee Um, and Tennessee, you know, needs another wide receiver. But again, why would he want to go there? But again, theoretically, he could. Or if there's another team that maybe it doesn't have a quarterback situation as good as I mean, it's hard to have a quarterback situation as good as Kansas City and Buffalo. But, you know, a, a situation like that where he might actually take, you know, it's not a hit necessarily necessarily but it's not as good of a a landing spot as kansas city or buffalo so you know you are paying those prices and i don't think you're going to get him for cheap there is no buy low opportunity but you can buy at cost that you know the two other teams that that kind of brought up uh some interest is him going to cleveland and playing with deshaun watson they've talked about opening up that offense a little bit more they do need another wide receiver there opposite of amari cooper and that would definitely spread things out with uh, an elite run game with nick chubb so that would be a good one and then detroit was another one that was brought up uh, there's no true outside receiver x receiver for detroit you know uh, amon Ra plays primarily the slot and so he would be a good fit there um, but he, but again, whether or not that's a team that he wants to go to, if that's a situation that that actually works out for him. But those are the four kind of key teams that stand out. Um, if he went to any of those four, I know you have D hop shares. What what's the price that you would be willing to sell one of your D hops for? Forget the buying aspect. Like, what would it take to get off of your team if if someone came to you and was like, hey, I really want D hop now? Like, yeah, I mean, you're giving me a minimum twenty four first plus. So we're, we're just going to start there. You're just trying to get me off, like a 24 first to get me off my D hop anymore. I'm, I'm right along those lines of I'm not selling him to you, even especially before he signs. I'm not selling him to you like he's going to Tennessee. That's <laughs> not happening. You're right. You're paying up the price that the maximum potential outcome is going to hit. So you're at least giving 24 first. I think if you get up into that like 24 first and second range, I could probably move off of one, but I just don't know who's willing to pay that for a 30-year-old wide receiver who we haven't seen on the field a lot as of recently. I know like the upside is still there, and I, I love the outlook for D-Hop outside of being outside of Arizona, but he's still a 30-year-old wide receiver at this point, so there's no way he's getting up to the point of like, the Devonte Adams, the Stefan Diggs, any of those guys that are up there, the Tyreeks. I think he's kind of almost encroaching on that level. And that's why I've been saying that he's a value for a long time now, as we've been doing our startup breakdowns over the, over the past couple of months. And, yeah. but, but I, I don't think he gets up to those guys, but I think he's almost right there along with them until we figure out where he signs. Yeah. I think the big thing you, you, you touched on there was, you know, D hop production wise, obviously with the suspension last year, um, took took some of those games away, but up he's up there with Devontae Adams in terms of like where he should be valued. But he's going four to five rounds later in startups, and so you have you have this big gap where you have two relatively similar players in a sense. I mean, don't get me wrong, Devontae Adams was a top six guy, but D hop was top ten. You know, in his time when he did come back and play, um, it's really hard to to kind of put the, you know that number to it. But yeah, like. A person that is buying DeAndre Hopkins is going to be a contender. So you're talking about a late 24 first. And I don't really want to just re-roll D-Hop unless my team has, you know, shit the bed, right? Like, yeah. I don't really want to have to re-roll into just a singular player. So I do want a plus. Um, so, you know, depending on the on the premium, if it's a, you know, 175 type premium, maybe I'll go after a lower tight end. Um, maybe... 
maybe I go after a different wide receiver, you know, that, that might actually have some value if it's a best ball league. Um, you know, I don't want to say like DJ Charkish, but like I want something that's like a back in second type of value in a way. You know, I don't think a first and a second someone's necessarily going to give up. But if I can get a player that has as close to that equivalent, that's kind of what I want. Because most of the teams that I have D hop on, I am contending. And so you got to kind of twist my arm to make me give it up. On the flip side, if I did go into, let's say, you know, uh, things things don't work out for your team or you're looking at your roster and you're like, maybe this is a this is a middling team that we've talked about in our you know team reviews. This is a middling team. Maybe it's time to sell some of these assets. What's the lowest you'd be willing to go? Are you still trying to get multiple assets and, and try and get a better player in a second type of situation? Um, you know, maybe going after like a, just throwing out like Quentin Johnston in a second. Like, I don't know if you can even get that done, but some something where you have a young player that's not going to produce for you this year, that's going to you know help you out um, in terms of your retool. What what are your thoughts on that? that? That was actually right where I was about to go. I was going to be asking you if you haven't done your 23 rookie draft yet and you're still having those yeah. picks and holding those picks, where you think you would slot in within that like first round if you just wanted to trade the picks straight up because JSN is going to be going above him still. I don't think that's any question. No. But I think once you get to that Jordan Addison, Quentin Johnson, Zay Flowers range, I think on the right team, I'm willing to pivot off of a QJ or an Addison or an Addison's probably right there on that cusp for me as he's the wide receiver too in my rankings of like right in between that like Addison to QJ pick it's probably where I'd be willing to pivot off of and just go buy a D hop if I was on you know more of that win now team and just wanted the production for one year yeah and I think that's the thing with Addison is still people have that that perception that he's going to be the number two in that offense and he will produce um, you know what level of production that's to be determined but this, the expectation is that he is going to produce in some way, shape, or form for their team. QJ, on the other hand, not so much. You know, it's it, he's kind of like that range where it's like, okay, you still have Keenan Allen. You still have Mike Williams. He's kind of an injury away, and we still need to see development from him. Zay Flowers, questionable situation around Baltimore, which we'll dive into later in the show. Uh, but yeah, the, I think that's kind of the range. You know, I don't want to hammer this one home too much, but that's kind of what I would be looking for as a – a pick in that range or a player if, if someone has already drafted them and then giving me a little bit of a plus on top of that. That's that's what I'd be looking to try and get. Ideally, just going to be league to league if you can actually get that deal done. Yep, going to be very, very difficult, though, because with right now, there's just only upside with D-Hop. It's, it's all the way back from just being buried behind, uh, you know, Clayton Toon throwing him the ball or Colt McCoy throwing him the ball for a year. Now there's it's Patrick Mahomes or Josh Allen. So uh, yeah, de definitely explore it. Cause I, I do love myself some D hop, but um, explore in both ways. If you want to try to get off before he actually signs somewhere, or if you want to go try to buy some shares, I just don't think it's going to be done very easily, but let's go with another guy who might be on the move or June 1st cut Dalvin cook. Uh, he's put out there. There's been some rumors floating around that he might actually be staying with the team now and taking a pay cut. Uh, just to stay with the team because the free agent market, the running back market's all dried up. There's not too many spots left to really go. And nobody's going to pay him probably anything more than the Minnesota Vikings are willing to pay him as a, on a decrease in pay. So uh, Dalvin Cook, do you think he's actually going to be possibly staying in Minnesota now? That's the feeling I get from it is that he's he's going to figure a way to stay. You know, just kind of like Eckler figured out a way to to make it work for the year. I feel like Dalvin will make it work for the year as well. Um, if he doesn't, the only true like we kind of ran through the possibilities of where he might want to go, and it, it depends on where he's if he's going to try and bag chase. But like truly, like Dallas could use it. You know, a, a one. Miami is still rumored to be very interested in Dalvin Cook, despite that backfield with with all the returning bodies, them drafting a chain. Like, would it work? Sure. Like that's fine with me. But at the same time, there's not a lot of spots out there. And then you're talking about, you know, uh, the, the, the cap aspect and then what team is already kind of solidified. So it feels like that situation is going to get kind of figured out where he's going to just stay in Minnesota is kind of my assumption. Um, you know, are you are you buying him on any of this news? Are you selling him? Are you trying to get off of Madison and sell Madison as a starter? Because truly you had a window and we talk about trade windows all the time. They open and shut very quickly. And so if you don't take advantage of them, you miss out. But have you tried any of that or were you kind of holding for some of those? Well, honestly, I've been kind of waiting on the Madison one because it has sounded like 
Dalvin Cook was going to be a June 1st cut. So I, I was trying to wait and see if I could, you know, say, hey, oh, now he's cut. He's definitely going to be the starter. It's confirmed now for you. And then sell my Madison on that news. So I haven't I haven't put the Madison out there too much. I floated it around a couple of times, but haven't gotten anything done. I, I would be trying to buy on the Dalvin side of things, though, if I, if there's any portion of it, like if I can get my Dalvin Cook at just like high second range, which is kind of what it felt like he was kind of going for in, in some portions of the offseason so far, just off the news of him being cut, like he's probably not going to land anywhere else. Like, I, I think that he would be a perfect guy to go maybe just replace Zeke down in Dallas if that were to happen, or maybe go and take a little bit of a role with the Cleveland Browns, kind of replace a little bit of the Kareem Hunt role there and be a one-two with uh with Nick Chubb over there. So he's going to go somewhere. I'm perfectly fine buying into Dalvin cook. If I, if I do want to do that now, it's just difficult. It's still difficult to buy a running back at this point in the off season, but if you can get a discount, any, anything less than a first. Yeah. I think I'm good with buying some Dalvin cook. Cause he's still going to be out there. He's still going to be running good. Yeah. I think the thing with Dalvin is no matter what, whether he's in Minnesota or he goes somewhere else, He's going to nerf someone else's value. I don't necessarily see his value getting nerfed or his his production getting nerfed this year. Um, you know, even if he went to Miami and yeah, it's a backfield that has experience in that system, they're going to give him the ball. They're, he's going to have really efficient touches. He's going to do really really well there. I'm really not worried. I'm more worried about you know Mostert and A Chain or you know uh, I guess Rojo technically <laughs> you know or Malik Davis. However you want to look at that situation in Dallas, where whoever he wherever he does go or stay. He, he's killing someone's value. And I, I kind of feel like the same thing with Madison. You know, he is a high value handcuff. However, what's his true value to your team? And, and maybe you you at least explore those types of options because if he if he isn't the guy, um, you kind of missed your window. But you know, a lot of I know a lot of players have both of them on their team just because they like to handcuff it. Not a huge fan, but um that's how some people play so <laughs> yeah and, and just real quick on on madison even if dalvin cook yeah. does get cut it doesn't it doesn't take them out of the running of higher get bringing one of these other guys like a fournette like a zeke and they just kind of play a little musical chair swap and bring one of them in True. and then also just looking at madison because i did actually do the stat projections for the vikings last night madison is incredibly inefficient like he's a he's like a three three yards per attempt rusher his yards per catch aren't even that great either like he's well below average in that department the only reason he's ever been good is just because he's a handcuff that's going to get the workload. Like he's actually not efficient and not a very good player. Which is kind of funny, right? Like he he's just volume based. He just fills in the volume role where he's going to get the RB RB1 quote unquote workload. And because all he's doing is taking over Dalvin's touches. And that's what we we love in fantasy, but in terms of production wise, it's not uh not all that great. So <laughs> yeah. But yeah. Anything else you want to touch on with the Dalvin situation right now? No, nah, I think we can move move into our next guy, a guy that's oh, unfortunately dealing with some injury. And I have I have a couple shares out there yet. Uh, Jimmy Garoppolo is making some headlines here with the Las Vegas Raiders because he might not even be a Las Vegas Raider by the time that we get to the season. Yeah, this is this has been a, just a wild situation. So apparently, with with GG's contract situation, when he was negotiating his contract and getting things figured out, um, the the foot injury came up um, mm -hmm. is what I believe it was. And yeah, so it's the foot injury, and they were very well aware of it. They had the deal in place. He just needed to sign it. Found didn't pass the physical. So then they renegotiated his contract, which is what was the delay in him actually signing. Everyone was saying there's no, nothing to worry about. No smoke here. He's, he's going to sign. He's going to sign. He was going to sign, but they needed to make sure that they had everything reworked. Essentially at this point, if Jimmy G does not pass a physical by the start of the league year, or by, by not league year, by the start of the season, they can cut him. No cost. No dead cap, nothing. He's just off the roster, kind of, you know, wipe the hands clean. So that is a little concerning, a little. I'm not overly worried yet. You know, it's something that they're very well aware of. But if there are any setbacks or if there's any problems in that sense, uh, holy Raiders, this is just prime 
Las Vegas type of situation. So it's uh, kind of funny in a way. But. It does. It does feel uniquely Las Vegas Raiders to be having to deal with this. <laughs> um, and then if that were the case to be happening, you know, then you're looking at Brian Hoyer and Aiden O'Connell is the only two quarterbacks there. And I know Eric Van will be loving that as Aiden O'Connell's probably starting a good chunk of games. It's it's also raised up other rumors of them potentially bringing in Teddy Bridgewater to be another backup in the system to get brought into there if they don't need that. Tom Brady, you know, he got the he got the ownership deal, so now he's going to be an owner player for them. I don't think that one's happening. I think Tom Brady's actually fully done. Uh, he <laughs> even because he's the owner does not mean that he's living in Las Vegas. Like he's still living in Miami with his kids down there. So uh, that's, I think he's that's fully true. Done. That's he's- true. But I, I want to throw it out there because, like, it's possible that Tom Brady, you know, again, very slim chance. I, I just want everyone to go out and pick up Tom Brady on waivers because I, I feel like it's going to be hilarious to see everyone doing um, in the next few weeks. Because if this drama continues, you know, Tom Brady will be like owned everywhere. But like, theoretically, he can still own the team. The owners have to approve him being a player again uh, so that he can suit up as an owner player. But. <laughs> I don't know, I'm, man. I, like, I'm not wasting. I'm not wasting the roster spot. <laughs> I'm not either. I'm not either. I'm I would much either. rather pick up Aiden O'Connell or Brian Hoyer at this point. Yeah, yeah, and and you know Vegas was a, a potential landing spot for Brady in the past, but I think it's just more you know the pipe dream of people bringing up Brady. But Carson Wentz is out there. You know, I don't think Aiden O'Connell is happening though. I think that's the big picture thing is let's not act like jimmy g's done and it's like oh well, what do we got on the roster? It's Aiden O'Connell and and Brian Hoyer. All right, let's. Let's see what we got. I don't think O'Connell would happen week one, but I do think it could easily happen by week four if things are just falling uh-huh. apart and they just throw them out there just to see what they have to do. The The other thing that I think is interesting about this one and that we're basically purely speculating on if Jimmy, if Jimmy G weren't to be there, I say majority, like large majority chance that this gets worked out by the beginning of the season. Jimmy G is the quarterback of the Raiders. Now, how long is that for? Because it's already started off on this rocky of a footing. I don't know, and he's really only playing on a one-year deal. But if it weren't to happen, the other thing that I could see being a fallout from this is potentially Devontae Adams because he's already Mm -hmm. displayed a large displeasure with the organization, the direction of the offense, and how they're trying to do things because they shipped off his buddy Derek Carr and brought in Jimmy G. And I don't know if he's the biggest fan of that. And then if Jimmy G goes down, I think you get into a point where Devontae Adams could seriously be requesting a trade midseason. I mean, you have him and you have Jacobs on a on a uh, franchise tag, both of which are are kind of concerns, you know, on how that will play out in the locker room. However, like thinking this through logically, even like depends on how what kind of setback there is. Even if he's not ready week one, yes, they can cut him with no you know no ties to any money. Realistically, like. They're just gonna keep him on the roster. They're gonna they're gonna wait till Jimmy G's actually ready. Like if it's week two, week three, whatever it would be. I, I it seems like he's going to be ready long before then. However, if there's any complication to it, unless it's like, oh, this is gonna drag out, we have to have another foot surgery, he's out eight weeks. That would be like the only thing I could see them like having a real problem. But it feels like they've already invested into this Jimmy G track. And they've kind of put all their eggs into this basket. Unless they have a real good backup plan, yeah, they are going to have an absolute chaotic locker room if they're rolling out Hoyer or and Jimmy G, like that, or uh, Hoyer and uh, Aiden O'Connell. Hoyer and O'Connell. Yeah, the one thing that I could say though, like if if he's not ready to go by the season, I don't see any reason that they keep him on the same contracts. I I think it's the thing where they scrap the contract and then they're like, hey, we have to rework this thing because we're not signing you under the pretenses of what we thought we were getting so you're going to get a completely new contract probably like half the money and then does jimmy g even accept that to come back and play um i think that's probably the more main concern with that thing so uh, it's going to be an interesting interesting one to watch out one of the one of the more interesting storylines as we go here through the next couple of months of the dead period to see how that one goes i'm absolutely with you there and uh, you know again just just some of the news that we're we're catching up on, looking into and kind of deep diving into. These are all things that are, are going to play out over the next few months with with mini camp, training camp, all that fun stuff kicking off here. So uh, last kind of thing to touch on with with um, news in a way, it's kind of news, kind of not. But it seems like on Twitter lately uh, and, I, you know, I hate referencing the bird app all the time when it comes to some of these rumors, but there's been a lot of talk about Travis Etienne and Tank Bigsby lately. And like all of a sudden people are panicking about Travis Etienne and maybe Tank having a bigger workload. I don't know why people weren't thinking about this at the draft. I don't know why people weren't thinking about this 
last year during the season. I mean, it just seems like this has been something that is now on top of people's minds, but it really had been building up for, I think since ETN decided to, or was able to suit up. Yeah. I think, I think from last year you had James Robinson be cut and some people tried to say that that was the team securing that he was going to be kind of that like workhorse role feature guy. And it's really just because James Robinson turned into not being very good anymore. Um, so, so they, they cut bait with him and I've been, I've been with you. I've been much higher than consensus on tank Bigsby about where I've ranked him in, in rookie drafts. And it's because I think that he's going to be a pretty good grinder for this team. And then people have, you know, started to re-roll out the stats of Travis Etienne from his college day saying he's really not that good of a pass catcher. He doesn't pass the catch. He doesn't catch the ball behind in front of the line of scrimmage he really only does like swings and screens and stuff so for fantasy he's still getting the touches but it's not getting turned into anything very valuable in terms of yards after the catch or anything like that so i think people are kind of just going through the motions of the offseason it's kind of one of those little hype pieces but are you trying to buy any etn off of this i know neither of us are really big etn guys and i'm probably more of just holding on to the tank bigsby shares um tank bigsby shares i got and happy that i'm holding those right now yeah, I think uh, buying ETN is not necessarily it because I don't think people are selling low on him because people still think that there's that opportunity of hit. People that have him are are operating under the assumption that he could be the guy. Even though there's this drama, they're not going to sell short for any reason in particular. And I think that's the the big thing. But like, let's be real. Like with what type of running back he is, you know, ETN has said like himself out of the horse's mouth that he does not like to and doesn't really want to run between the tackles. He doesn't want to take those those hits constantly between the tackles. Also, that's not necessarily where he's good at. You get him on the edge, you get him in space. Great. Again, his hands aren't the best. He can catch the football. He's capable. But, you know, he had, what, 45 targets last year, and he, he was able to haul in 35 receptions for 300 yards, 220 carries on the ground. Like, he is what he is. Like, that is – those are the numbers that I expected – out of Travis Etienne. Those are the types of, of, of carries 50 targets, 220 uh, touches on the ground, 270 opportunities. That's good. There's nothing wrong with that. But like, if you were expecting Travis Etienne to be, you know, some pass catching weapon, like, like Eckler or CMC, that's not happening. If you're expecting him to run the ball on the ground 300 times, that's not happening either. They still had 80 carries for James Robinson in the five games that he was there. You know, 46 for for Jermichael Hasty. Like they want another back there that's going to be able to take up 120 to 150 carries on the ground, and then you have a guy like a uh, a guy like Trevor Lawrence who also runs the ball as a quarterback. Like you know, he's going to have 60, 70, 80 carries on the ground himself. And I feel like that's that's the whole thing. That's what this offense is going to be built around. Doug Peterson has done this in the past, where he likes to have two guys. And I think Tank Bigsby fills that role perfectly. So if if I'm in you know a best ball league, I'm down to take the shot on Tank over over spending the capital on what I'm what it's going to take to get Travis Etienne. It's not that I hate the player. It's just he is what he is. Like he can hit a home run, sure, but I'm not expecting 20 to 25 touches a game from him. Right, and I think that's kind of just the panic and the the narrative that has been going around is just like he's not really worth that top five running back price that we've seen right. throughout the offseason and so at some points last year i just don't think that that upside really exists i mean if you really want like a bad case scenario of it luckily the offense is much more efficient but you're looking at kind of like a antonio gibson brian robinson split and workload compared to what we have with tank bigsby and travis Etienne. like i could see something like if it went really bad i could see something like that happen but thankfully the jet or jags offense is much more efficient than what we saw from the commanders last year but it's still not probably going to get you a top five fantasy outcome and that that's where we just kind of have to tamper expectations and get a little bit more realigned with what we think is probably going to be the projected workload for the two yeah and i, th- I think the the whole narrative of tank bigsby you know, eating into Travis Etienne, I don't think that's accurate either. You know, I think that there's going to be a split in this backfield. You know, we always talk about the 60 40. You know, I think it might be like maybe 55 45 or, you know, 60 40 in a way for, for Etienne. But, uh, but again, I, you're going to have Tank in there on some valuable plays, you know, with what he can do on third down, if he's going to be running in between the tackles, if you're in a point for carry league. Like, I do think that Tank is going to have a role in this offense. And what he does with those touches, you know, and, and how well he kind of uh, how efficient he is with those touches will will kind of determine his role 
going forward throughout the season. We see rookie running backs all the time take that jump in the second half of the season. So I'd be more interested to see how they continue to use him. And, you know, if he is, uh, I guess, good, (laughs) if he's actually good at the NFL level, that's going to be the big thing. Yeah, and so I think that covers up most of the you know news of the past week or two as we move forward here throughout this week to the June first as well, and so uh, yeah. yeah, I think we I think we're good to move into kind of the second half here. But before we do, I think we got a promo to plug. Yeah, man. So with all of these players shifting in value, you're going to see their underdog value shifting as well. Uh, Destination Devi has partnered with Underdog Fantasy for the upcoming season. So if you do use co- promo code TFDR at signup, you can get up to a $100 match on your first deposit. Make sure you do use that promo code TFDR. And if you deposit $10 or more, you will get one year access to the Destination Devi Discord. You can chop it up with us. You can chop it up with Ray. Check out all the cool tools that we have in there, um, the, the sheets that are dropping constantly so that you can maximize your entries into these best ball tournaments and make sure that you can win some money as well. Again, promo code TFDR at sign up, up to $100 match on that first deposit, and $10 or more gets you that one-year access. Uh, in- incredibly great place to be best minds in the business and uh, the best community to be a part of that I've ever seen. So uh, yeah, make sure you check that out and do join us there on the destination Debbie discord. Yep. Catch us there literally all the time. We're, we're ch- all day, chilling out day. in that VC all the time, but yeah, with, with the underdog as well, the one thing that I'm going to be using as a tool that I'm you know kind of building out right now or uh, aid in that is going to be what I'm doing with my 2023 projections right now, uh, using the projections that I have and I build these out each and every year for the past three to four years or so, and trying to build that out and project what these offenses are going to look like, how the workload is going to be split up between all of the players on the team. I typically go four running backs, six wide receivers and four tight ends deep. So I mentioned it before at the beginning. It's a it's a long and strenuous process, but one that I one that I really do enjoy doing because it kind of gives you some it gives you some boundaries and guidelines about what the possible realistic outcomes are for some of these players. You go into it and you're, you know, projecting this massive workload for one of the wide receivers you really think can take the next step up. And you're like, well, if they only have 550 passing attempts and only this many typically go to wide receivers where does the workload come from so it kind of puts it's not an end-all be-all by any means but it does kind of give you a nice little boundary and one of the reasons that i like doing it uh if you saw it on twitter yesterday i started putting out that i was gonna drop some interesting little like factoids or nuggets that i was finding about the stat record the stat rabbit holes that i go down while doing it (laughs) I, i go i go deep and so the I put some of the battle on Twitter yesterday and we kind of wanted to highlight some of those and see if we could talk through them a little bit more in depth and actually apply some dynasty fantasy football analysis to what I had found. Absolutely. And we are going to go over your projections over the next two weeks and kind of uh, what, what you found really break those down AFC and NFC. So we are going to dive into those, but these are the, just the fun tidbits that have been found and really kind of checking them out. So like the first thing we're going to start off with here is, is the Pittsburgh Steelers. And um, I'm going to, I want to start with the running back that everyone had highlighted as potentially the RB two in dynasty behind JT going into last year, I want to say. And so he was being drafted in the early second round of, of snake startups and all of a sudden there's the foot injury, lots of, lots of drama happened and you really break it down and seeing what he did. Like my goodness, you know, that if you didn't think the injury impacted him, I don't think anything says it just by looking at the, the carries a game and, and what you found here with weeks one through eight, he had 13.5 carries a game, had that week nine by came back weeks, 10 through 17, 18.2. So he had 307 carries in 2021. He was actually on pace if he was, you know, healthy, let's see which it seemed like he was in the second half of the season to pace himself out at 309 carries. So on the ground the numbers are there once he was healthy, which I think did impact his fantasy value and impacted him greatly throughout last year. Yeah, because we saw the first half of the season was not good out of Najee, and I think that does kind of stick in our minds a little bit. We saw Jalen Warren becoming a small piece of this team, but truthfully, if Najee's healthy going into next year, 
I think this is still Najee's backfield. I still think he's one of the true workhorses in the league as we currently still see it with that position kind of dying out as we've seen. There's really only a couple of them, and I think he is still one as long as he's healthy. I mean, five carries extra a game throughout the second half of the season is a large difference. And if you're getting that type of workload, it's definitely going to help your fantasy production. Uh, we're also going to get into some more of the stats with the just efficiency of the team as well. And I do think that takes a step up. We've also seen them invest into the offensive line this year, which has been a problem over his first two years. I mean, really, outside of Najee just being a little bit older now, I think he's now 25 because he came into the league a little bit older after spending all four years at Bama. I'm I'm back in on Najee a little bit. I actually kind of wish I could go out and pick up a couple of shares because if he if he is healthy going into the season, I think we're still going to see this about 300 carry workload. He's still a major threat in the passing game too. And if this offense takes a step forwards in efficiency, we could see very improved numbers from what we saw out of Najee last year. Yeah, and the the big dip for him it was going to be from year one to year two. Uh, was going to be the targets. And that was like always the discussion because Ben Roethlisberger checked down so much. And what is, how much is Kenny Pickett going to actually target him um, in the pass game? And I believe last year he was able to get 50 something targets last year, uh, 53 targets last year, which is, you know, solid, not, not great, not bad. It's not the, the 90 something or, you know, 100 that he had with Ben Roethlisberger. However, some of that may have come into play with with the injury, um, also with with what that offense liked to do and what, what they were able to do. Maybe he was in to block more as well. So I don't expect him to have those hundred targets, but you know we see Leonard Fournette be efficient with his 60, 70 targets. If he's able to get in that seventy range and have those three hundred carries on the ground, uh, you know he still had Najee still had three hundred and thirteen carry or touches last year. So that's that's kind of the bottom line. Is he still had three hundred some touches when he was hurt for? probably what, eight weeks of the season. He was, he was had a nagging injury for eight weeks of the season and it may have impacted him even more. So I, I'm very cautiously optimistic with him. If you were able to buy him last year when he was going for a second, good for you. Like the fact that we had dismissed him all the way down to a second round pick, um, I think is kind of well, not we, but the fantasy community had him down there. It's kind of crazy in my opinion. Yeah. And I, I did actually, one of the things that you brought up there was if the injury impacted his receiving game at all. And I went back through and prorated the same thing out. And it's why I didn't really include it in the stat line. It actually didn't really change. Uh, okay. So I, I think this is more about what we'll see from Najee going forward. This probably like 60 target range and about 40 to 45 catches is probably going to be his upside unless the offense does get more efficient. Because the thing that really changed this, like you said, was the change from Roethlisberger to Kenny Pickett. The The total offensive snaps or at least the total passing attempts for the offense decreased from 665 with Roethlisberger to 571. So you lose about 90 targets to guys in this offense and that's where you're going to see dips for Najee especially in that check down game as they were only throwing the ball like two yards down the field every single play when Ben Roethlisberger was just trying to get that ball out behind that god-awful offensive line so I don't think we're ever really going to get back to that 95 target pace there that 95 mm -hmm. target no no uh, in his rookie year but I do think he's still going to be a massive threat in the passing game 40 catches or so you can probably pencil that in if he stays healthy for all 17 so yeah re really like the prospect for Najee moving forward in the next year so keeping it here with the Pittsburgh Steelers Kenny Pickett as you mentioned as well um you know year one to year two there's gonna be some growth some some growing pains for him um he did have the league's worst touchdown rate at 1.8 percent which I believe was was lower by like a full percent and a half before the, below the the next person and to to really give you some context here everyone that is the worst among passers since CJ Beathard in 2017 who also had a 1.8 touchdown rate in that year so positive regression should theoretically be there for this offense because that was terrible yeah historically bad out of kenny pickett last year and you you expect i mean he gets a little bit of the rookie pass and everything but man that is god awful he only threw for seven touchdowns during his time as a starter for the pittsburgh steelers and you could blame deontay all you want for not having a touchdown but that also comes a little bit on the shoulders of kenny pickett only throwing seven touchdowns so uh, a little bit of stocks up for deontay if this offense can take a step forward but yeah like you said a league worst 1.8 interception rate on all of his passes at, or touchdown rate on touchdown. all of his passes. And the second worst in the league was Zach Wilson with 2.5. <laughs>
if you were trailing Zach Wilson by like seven point seven percent in that rate in that stat, that's not a good thing to be trailing Zach Wilson in, in, yeah. in statistics that are very good for you. So, yeah, that that touchdown rate's got to come up, and that that's kind of what we were talking about with Najee, though, just the efficiency of the offense. You're improving the offensive line. You. I don't know how much Allen Robinson coming in really helps the, the <laughs> passing game yeah. of the offense. Probably not too much, but you bring in another blocking tight end with Darnell Washington as well to kind of even more solidify that offensive line. But this is really going to come down to Kenny Pickett. Can you actually take that step forward? Can you make the jump in year two? Because it's got to be a hell of a lot better than it was last year. Yeah. And I think just looking at some of these numbers, when you're looking at touchdown percentages, you know, you mentioned that uh, Zach Wilson's, the next one closest to him at 2.5%. Then you have like Baker Mayfield, Matt Ryan, Mac Jones, and these are all in like the 3% range. So you're talking about close to double the touchdown percentage as what Kenny Pickett had. So I, I don't expect him to stay here. I think this is more of an outlier number for him being a rookie is my anticipation with this offense in general. It was just a bad offense and, you know, bad offensive line really inefficient and effective you're, you you rolled out Trubisky for a chunk of the season or for the for the start and then you had Kenny Pickett coming in like it just wasn't nothing went Pittsburgh's way on the offensive side of the ball so I do expect that there's going to be some growth for Pickett this offseason and I think that that one will be an anomaly just a fun stat to look at so you know thinking about Deontay and how that's going to impact him you know he had no touchdowns I believe or maybe he had one none. throughout the none Did not yeah through that and so it's like, you know, you have that type of touchdown rate and you have that kind of touchdown production out of your wide receivers. Uh, it doesn't feel good. So hopefully things are going to get better for that offense as a whole, improving the line, um, as you mentioned, with uh, with also adding a, you know, another blocking tight end. I think that team as a, as a whole is, is one I'm cautiously optimistic for. I don't know how how improved it can be, but I don't think it can get a whole lot worse than what we saw in 2022. Yeah, I'm still putting in positive regression because it should yes. it should get better. Uh, but just to give a little bit more context about what how bad that 1.8% is, league average is typically around four and a half percent of your passing attempts get converted into touchdowns. <laughs> it just truly historically bad. Like it, I, I didn't even go past CJ Beathard, but I, I do kind of want to go back through and see how long was it before anything did, beat that because you have to go 1.7% or below to really get to that number. I, I didn't find that one. So I might have to go back through after this and see how bad, how far back that one was since we've had anything that bad. Just to kind of give some other names down here that might have some positive regression and this isn't related to Pittsburgh in any, any sense, but just looking at some other ones that might have some re regression, Justin Herbert's down here in the, in the 3.5 range, he might actually have some improvement there. Um, Russell Wilson, Matt Stafford, obviously injury, Daniel Jones and Mac Jones, the ones that kind of stood out to me. Um, just again, Daniel Jones, no weapons. Mac Jones had a defensive coordinator, defensive assistant uh, that was coaching the offense. So, uh, some team, some players to kind of keep note on that might actually have some positive touchdown regression into the next year. So, uh, anything else you want to touch on with this offense or with the touchdown, uh, percentages? Nope. Just, it should be a lot better for Deontay this year. I've got him set it up pretty good as he, as he's coming out so far. So, uh, I, buy into some Deontay if you really want to. I don't think he's going to be elite by any means, but he should be, should be very serviceable and in your lineups week over week next year, as long as we do see a little bit of the positive regression. But from there, let's go to a stat that was actually very good in terms of the ratio as well. <laughs> and that is from one of the guys you just highlighted. Daniel Jones actually had a really, really good year in terms of his interception rate. He only threw an interception on 1.1% of his passing attempts, and that led the league. Uh, it depends a little bit about what site you're looking at, whether it's we use stat news and team rankings for those two. One of them has him tied with Jalen Hurts for the lead. The other one has him the outright leader. A uh, little bit of difference with how mm -hmm. many pass attempts people throw and how you track that stat. But a league leading, or at least tied for the league, in a interception ratio is very good for Daniel Jones and his prospects moving forward. Yeah, and if you look at who led the league for the four seasons prior, it is Aaron Rodgers, which is crazy. He led it every single year for four straight years, and including a ridiculous, what, 0.3 percentage? Point, point oh 0.03, yeah. Point oh, yeah. Oh, my goodness. What was it, two two interceptions out of 600 passes? 200, two, two interceptions on 597 passes in a year. Oh absolutely ridiculous like i know that we look at how bad aaron Rodgers was last year and by all means it was not good like but he was also dealing with 
his first year without Devontae Adams, a god-awful rookie wide receiver core as well. Nothing was going well there, but I think we forget a little bit of like how good Aaron Rodgers was for the four years prior to that because he was he's incredibly efficient and incredibly good with the football in his hands. I mean, one of the best throwers of the football in the league over the past 10 years. Yeah, which is which is wild. So, you know, again, interesting to see what Aaron Rodgers is in New York. What was last year a precursor to uh, kind of the the tail end of his career um, or with weapons and an offensive line around him? Can he go back to the MVP level form that we saw for two consecutive years and really, you know, four years um, prior to that? So. I'm very interested in in what Aaron Rodgers is, but also just Daniel Jones. You know, that that team as a whole, it seems like he became more efficient, more effective, uh, not only with his legs, but in the passing game, you know, not turning the ball over is key. You know, keeping your offense on the field, handing the ball off to Saquon sometimes is very helpful. And then also, you know, being able to run yourself. Uh, I'm interested to see what his progression looks like going into what is going to be year five for him. Um, They didn't add a, ton of weapons for him but they did add Jalen Hyatt another year with the system with Dable he he did have a career high completion percentage last year and so if, if they're able to improve in any way shape or form because he was also one of the lower uh touchdown rates in the league I think he was you know fifth to last um in touchdown rates but he was a little bit closer to the league average than uh than old Kenny Pickett so we'll see what that kind of translates to and if he can also continue to you know, stop turning the ball over that will kind of solidify him as a, uh, a top 12 fantasy option going forward. Yeah. The rushing, the rushing that he provides gets yeah. there as well. And I mean, may, Hey, maybe with the receiver core, we kick it all the way back to the beginning of the show. And maybe they can, maybe they could be a team that actually goes yeah. after a Deandre Hopkins. That would definitely be a, definitely be an improvement for, for that team and probably get Daniel Jones to a really good outlook for this year. But uh, I don't, don't think you got anything unless you got anything more there. I think we can move on to the next one that I found. Yeah, let's dive into some wide receiver talk here. And, and you know, the, the big one that stood out uh, was the Baltimore Ravens. That th- This one was kind of crazy when you when you tweeted this one out. They targeted wide receivers on a league low 198 attempts. And that's the lowest number since the Baltimore Ravens did it in 2019 when, they, when it was 182 times. So, uh, obviously, that's bad for any wide receiver in the offense. However, there was a key change for this upcoming season. Yeah, you have a brand new offensive coordinator who was coming from a system the last time he was in the NFL was one of the most pass happy uh, offensive coordinators in the NFL during his time there when he was in Tampa with Jameis Winston, whenever they were throwing the ball 650 plus times a year. It's a it's a large change. And, you know, there was the rumors coming out that Lamar had a say in who he was going to pick as his offensive coordinator, or at least he was in the conversations of those. And he's come out and said, like, I'm going to run less and I'm going to throw a lot more in the system. And I'm, I'm taking their word at it because Munkin has showed it. Lamar has shown it. He's shown that he doesn't want to do that. They've tried to bring in offensive weapons for him, drafting Zay flowers this year, bringing in Odell. They were linked to Deandre Hopkins at times throughout this offseason as well, too. So I think this offense is going to change in, in philosophy a lot coming forward this season. Yeah. I think some of the big things that you, you just touched on Lamar, obviously coming out and saying what he has said, um, but, but Todd Munkin himself is, has kind of liked to mix things up. So not only did, was he pass happy in the, in the past, um, he does like to, to kind of keep defenses on their toes as much as possible. So he wants to stretch them both, you know, horizontally and vertically kind of spacing the field out, giving his players room to make plays, which makes sense with Zay flowers, Odell Beckham, if he's, Odell Beckham, <laughs> of yep. course, that, that that caveat. And then, you know, Rashad Bateman, we we, we do keep dismissing him. He, he's had a rough start to his career, unfortunately, but um, he was an analytics darling, and I still think that there's optimism for him. And then you, I didn't even mention their best pass catcher, which is Mark Andrews. So, you know, we, we're kind of focused on wide receivers here and the targets in that, in that area. So there should be some opportunities for these wide receivers, but they do want to go no huddle. They want to they want to create these mismatches as much as possible. Um, same thing with tight ends. They, they do want to use like likely and and uh, Andrews in that same fashion. So they're, they're still going to run the ball. It's still going to be that same kind of concept in a way, which is interesting. Only having J.K. Dobbins and Gus Edwards didn't bring anybody else in. But them passing the ball more, uh, I mean, they were what one of the least. I mean, they, they've been what like I think dead last in pass attempts for like every year for I can't even tell you how many years. But it hasn't been good 
for Baltimore wide receivers or pass catchers. Um, so I'm optimistic that they should be able to, I would say what, add a hundred targets to that, to that range. Like I think, you know, Andrews is still going to get his, which is what he has been getting, but I feel like they're going to at least add a hundred targets to this offense. Like eh, maybe I'm being optimistic here, but that's kind of the feeling I'm getting from all of the talk. And, and I feel like that's kind of safe. Yeah. I mean, they, they weren't, they weren't league low, but they've been pretty close to league low. They've, they've been bottom six, bottom seven for the last three years. Okay. Last year, averaging 28 pass attempts a game, 28.7 pass attempts per game. Cool. And then over the last three years, 31 pass attempts per game. So over the last three years, I did also go back and look at this one as well. Even though their lowest to the wide receiver targets to the wide receiver has been in 2019, their pass attempts has decreased, I believe, each and every year over the last three years as well. And so Greg Roman just leaning into it harder and harder. Finally finally got him kicked out because it hasn't worked and nobody wants to play. I think that's one of the biggest things that like you need a philosophical change because you can't recruit wide receivers. They we've seen how much they've struggled to get guys in there and people wanting to leave. That's why Hollywood had to be kicked out because he didn't want to play there anymore. It's not good for the wide receivers and it's not good for the overall offensive scheme of building around Lamar. If you're just going to pound the rock and in the day and age that we play in, like we've seen the problems with Tennessee as well, that they're never really able to get over the hump because of the style which with they play in the current scheme of the NFL right now. I like the move for Baltimore going forward. I like the move for Lamar, even though it probably does cap a little bit of his rushing upside. If he's not running the ball as more, it does cap his fantasy upside a little bit more. Still think he's going to be using his legs a lot, though. Yeah. As far as the wide receivers go, I did have a little bit of trouble projecting these guys out. I just don't know if there's going to be anybody who really takes over a large portion of this offense. So it might just be split between the three of Odell, Rashad Bateman, and Zay Flowers, and none of them can really excel. That's kind of my only fear with the wide receivers going forward. Yeah, I think it's just going to truly depend on how much passing volume they do add. Uh, Because if it is going to, I mean, theoretically, even if you added 70 attempts, so you're talking, what, uh, 270 targets to the wide receiver position i mean you break that down and, and it's what 90 per per wide receiver at best um and that's if you split it three ways you know again just doing simple basic math there and that's just really not enough to be super fantasy relevant so you're gonna have to have someone hitting triple digit targets um or or high touchdown efficiency things like that that are really gonna have to make a difference so i am i'm just interested in this offense as a whole i do think it's gonna be very good for lamar i think it's gonna be good for jk dobbins uh but i do want to see what this looks like in action uh before i get like super optimistic and go buy all these wide receivers but um yeah i i we'll see we'll see how this kind of takes shape i've been super high on zay flowers and i think this would be a good situation for him yeah, just a little bit of a preview. I have done my projections for the Baltimore Ravens. I did not have a single receiver going over 800 yards. Woo. So, well, uh, even though even though I bumped I bumped Lamar all the way up to 600 passing attempts, and I couldn't get anybody up over 800 yards with the three of the wide receivers. Andrew wow. still Andrew still eats, but the wide receivers still are a little little bit lower than being in your lineup each and every week. Little teaser for next week, then. Yeah. So, um, let's dive into some other wide receivers here. And this one here was, was kind of interesting. Uh, Green Bay Packers, you mentioned them earlier when it come, came to Aaron Rodgers and and how young they were and how gross that kind of offense was. Well, they got younger. They, they kept their rookies from last year. Uh, they got rid of any other experience they had with Alan Lazard and, and Randall Cobb. And now they have more rookies. So they actually have 10 wide receivers currently on their roster. And only three of them have caught NFL passes. All of them rookies last year. Dobbs caught 42 balls, Watson caught 41, and Samari Toure caught five. So a total of 88 catches in that wide receiver room. Giant mystery. And then they bring in two tight ends as well with uh, with Musgrave and Kraft. This Packers passing game, I have no clue what to do with them. It's... It's going to be gross, man. I, I know that there's been a there's been a good amount of hype about Jordan Love because he is finally going to be a starter in the NFL. But this team is so young, so inexperienced. Jordan Love included. I don't care how long you're sitting behind a guy like Aaron Rodgers and how much you've learned. His on the field experience has just been so limited over the past three years that he's been not being able to take first team reps. He's not going to he hasn't been able to be on the field and getting NFL reps. It's going to take him probably a little bit to really get back into the groove of the game. And then you've got a bunch of unknown mystery wide receivers to really 
build out the team around him. The team is so young outside of like Aaron Jones is really the only one who has any true long-term vet experience. And then you're looking at like AJ Dillon's the next proven guy <laughs> on this offense in terms of just weapons and what they can use for their passing and rushing attacks. Man, it is a it is an inexperienced team. I'm I'm kind of this one's kind of gotten me to where I'm just kind of good staying away from almost everyone here outside of maybe a shot or two on Christian Watson. If he can take over like an alpha X role here in this offense, that's the only upside shot. I see Jordan love. I don't see him being anywhere near the top 20, even in probably quarterback quarterbacks this next year. He doesn't run either. So in terms of just fantasy, I don't see that being there. He's just going to have to do it on efficiency in the passing game. And we saw Aaron Rodgers with what he had, what he was able to do with this group last year. I don't think the Jordan Love is going to exp- exceed those expectations by very much, if at all, probably worse. Yeah, and that's that's the whole thing. You know, we've we've kind of talked a lot about it this offseason at that this this Packers offense is going to be ran through the ground game. Aaron Jones should be phenomenal this year. AJ Dillon, if you still think that you have hope in him, we know what he is at this point. And if you still believe, keep believing, but this offense is going to be ran through Aaron Jones. There's a reason why they kept him there and wanted him back, despite them knowing what was you know, Aaron Rodgers future, this is going to run through the ground ground game. And I think those two will have a very, you know, successful year. I think the LaFleur offense, that's what they like to do anyways. Added two tight ends in there to to kind of help things out. Uh, you know, Kraft is a little bit better blocker. Musgrave, you know, will will do more of, I guess he's been featured more as a pass catcher. We'll see what he can actually do in terms of blocking. But you just have a bunch of mysteries at wide receiver. And truly the only one that I would really want, like you said, was Christian Watson. I, I will take some shots in best ball uh, that one of these other guys catches a deep ball for a touchdown, but man, that's a scary offense to, to like say, Oh yeah, I'm going to get Jaden Reed. And he's going to be the number two in that offense. Like, what does that even mean for, for fantasy production? Like 80 targets, 60 catches and 500 yards. Like that is not sexy at all. That's not what you want on your fantasy team. That's not what you want in your lineup. That's for sure. Yeah, definitely lineup. I mean, that's even, that's even worse to, Try to rely yeah. on, try to rely on Jaden Reed or uh, Romeo Dobbs week over week. Probably isn't going to be a very strong likelihood of an outcome come next year. So, j- just just an interesting thing, just with the inexperience of everything that's built around this offense right now. Probably just one that I'm more comfortable staying away from in terms of fantasy for 2022, 2023. One, one last thing of note with them, which is which I found interesting as well. They had one receiver hit 100 targets and that was Alan Lazard and he's longer no longer on the team so Christian Watson could fill a role where he gets 100 targets but the fact of the matter is they spread the ball out throughout that offense and it doesn't really matter who gets the ball there's no like we're gonna feed Devontae Adams type thing it's who's open is gonna get targets so that'll be very interesting to see how it plays out and what kind of target share is available in that Packers offense yeah, we'll we'll see. But Jordan Love's gonna have to be very, very good with with not a lot of with not a lot of help around him. So uh, like I said, just one I'm more willing to stay away from. But let's let's move on from that one into an offense that is not one you want to stay away from at all. And that is the last nugget here, which was Philadelphia Eagles and their receivers and their passing attack. Philadelphia Eagles only targeted four wide receivers throughout all of 2022, which is just crazy normally you have like eight wide receivers uh, in normal teams that will at least get a target and be on the field philadelphia eagles only targeted four wide receivers the entirety of the year aj brown Devonte smith quez watkins and zach pascal they all played all 17 games and they were on the field pretty much i, I assume they were on the field for almost like 90 <laughs> plus percent of snaps all of them because nobody else greg ward's still on this team i thought that i messed up his stats from 2022 because i was like where was greg ward didn't ever touch the field he's on the practice squad the entirety of the year or at least he wasn't actually on the field and in the game getting targets so just a kind of thing to look at with the philadelphia eagles they have a very thin wide receiver core zach pascal it's no longer there. He got replaced by Olamide Zacchaeus. If you really, you know, think that he's going to be anything more than a wide receiver four or five for a team, um, the Philadelphia Eagles got very lucky with injuries last year because their wide receiver core yeah. is not very deep. And if something were to go down with AJ Brown or Devonta Smith, well, one of those two is going to go absolutely nuclear more than likely. The offense itself might struggle a little bit because there really isn't much behind these two. 
so not only is it interesting for the fact that it was only four wide receivers targeted and it doesn't seem like that will change it's going to be very hyper focused on on aj brown devonta smith and 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 goddard however they added a pass catching running back who is also you know still good on the ground in deandre swift and they only actually passed the ball 61 times to all of their running backs so Gainwell had 29 Sanders had 26 and then Boston Scott had six. So like that is their, that is their passing distribution for the team. Essentially it's three running backs tight end and their, their core wide receivers. It's kind of how the focus works. So it's going to be very interesting to see how the distribution in this offense is because they only threw the ball 505 times last year. You add in a pass catching back. You still have Gainwell. You still have those guys there. Goddard will be back, you know, healthy for the full season, hopefully, because he only played 12 games. So we'll see how that that concentrated offense goes. And, you know, knock on wood, we want health for everybody. When you're doing projections, you have to project that everyone's healthy. You, you know, unless there's a specific player who's missed, you know, three games every single year since, you know, he's been in the league, maybe you can kind of account for that. But ideally, you're looking at perfect outcomes. And, if something did happen, it would be very interesting how this offense changed. Uh, you know, we saw a perfect storm last year with with this offense. If you flip it around, if something does happen, uh, I'd be very interested to see what kind of shift in the offense uh, we would see. I mean, would would Devonta Smith get a a bunch more targets if AJ Brown was wasn't around, or you know, do they run the ball more? Do they pass to the running backs more? Just a very interesting offense for twenty twenty three for me. And especially with just a completely everybody in the running back is everybody in the running back room is new, at least from what we assume with Penny and Swift being the two yeah, main Penny focal too. points of this, because uh, gain gain well, as much as people have some hope for him, he's nothing more than a replacement <laughs> guy. And he's definitely third or fourth on this depth chart. And Boston scoot isn't anything more than just like a gadget type of role player. That's going to score three touchdowns against the giants whenever they play him twice a year. So um, other than that, I mean, this team, this team got a little lucky last year, but if one of those two were to go down, it, it would be wheels up for the other one. But I do think they kind of eat into each other a little bit, cap the upside a little bit. And then there's also the thing of like, this is really the first time that we've seen this Philadelphia Eagles offense really thrive. And, you know, we see every year defenses just they're able to take the offseason and figure out schemes and figure out ways to attack the offense. Can this offense still continue to produce at the level of efficiency without really doing anything outside of the running backs. And maybe they do use the little bit, a little bit more of the running back passing game, but I don't see Jalen hurts being one that's going to hyper target running backs in the passing game either as he's a rushing quarterback. And we don't really yep. see that being beneficial for uh, running backs getting targets. So I think it also caps a little bit of the upside of Swift as much as it's good of landing spot for the, in terms of just efficiency, it might not actually be good for him in terms of just targets that he was getting. Cause he was getting 70 plus targets during his time with the lions. And that was with him missing games. I don't think that ceiling is going to be there in this Philadelphia offense for Swift. Yeah. And I'm with you. I think if anything, you know, they'll use Swift as, as a decoy, like they'll send him out on routes and that'll just open lanes up for, for Hertz to run um, or flip side. If they spy Hertz, then something will be open for Swift, but it's, it's going to be a very interesting offense for that reason. I'm just kind of pulling up their the target shares and everything like that for, for this offense. I mean, I didn't realize Dallas Goddard only had 13.4. I actually did realize that, <laughs> uh, that he had 13% of the target shares in that offense. Devonta Smith, 26, almost 27%, and A.J. Brown at 29% of the targets in this offense. So I, very, very consolidated, um, which is why if you have one of these guys, great. But uh, definitely some mysteries going forward. And if there is something that does happen, uh, how does that impact the rest of this team? Because um, it's it's going to be a, a big change. and Maybe they run the ball a lot more with, with a Penny Swift Hurts backfield. Yep. Hopefully everybody stays healthy here. I lo love to see it and lo love watching this offense run, oh, yeah. but typically it doesn't happen like it did last year for the Philadelphia Eagles. So they might have, hopefully they didn't miss out on their one, you know, opportunity. I don't really like Philly. So uh, maybe not. <laughs> hopefully they didn't miss out on their one, but I like, I like all the players on there. I like Hurts. I like AJ Brown. I like Smitty. So um, ho hopefully for their sake, they didn't, you know, miss their one opportunity that perfect, you know, perfect storm to get all the way through, get everybody all the way through there. I know, Hertz missed his little bit of time, but he was good for you know the playoff stretch and the playoff run. So hopefully they can get back there, keep this offense churning and keep producing in a highly consolidated targeted offense for fantasy. Absolutely love to see it.
Yeah, so these are just some fun little tidbits that you kind of have found through through your projections. We'll have some breakdowns on the projections the next couple of weeks and see what the true fantasy outlook looks like for a lot of these teams um, and kind of dive a little bit deeper into that as well. So we just wanted to, to kind of touch on some of those because uh, they are notable and there, there's going to be more that do pop up as well as you go through this. Um, we've been talking about wide receivers lately, and I just wanted to bring up the fact that if, if you missed it, I, I'm, I'm hoping you didn't. You probably didn't if you're listening to us. Make sure you do check out uh, Scott Connor's episode on that dropped on Monday where he does break down the wide receiver usage and archetypes and then how to play that wide receiver market. We, you know, we, we brought up Smitty in this past example. We're just looking at Christian Watson, some different wide receivers in those ranges, really what kind of outcome uh, do they actually have and where do they actually project in terms of, uh, you know, their opportunity uh, are they, you know, the, the yak ability as well. So just some fun things to kind of touch on. We have the Holy Trinity that we look at for the, the, the wide receivers now. And that's kind of been the, the fun little, the little joke with, uh, with the wide receivers, but check out that episode. Make sure you check out all of the podcasts here on the destination Debbie radio, uh, content feed we're gonna be dropping stuff every single day jordan backus should have dropped yesterday as well so make sure you check his stuff out and then we'll have uh you know ike and gene tomorrow 40 friday and we'll have a, a lot of fun over the weekends as well with america's game with scott and eric so anything else you want to touch on before we wrap out cody no i got the uh i got the west and the south divisions yet to do for projections so if you're not following us on twitter follow chase at trophy chase tfdr you can follow me at cody smith tfdr the uh, TFDR account is at underscore TFDR. I put out some of the content that we're dropping on the YouTube side over there. So go check out all of those. I'll be dropping more of these kind of like the data data rabbit holes that I go down, uh, kind of documenting everything there that I find over on the Twitter. So I don't think we'll have time next week to really dive into the South and West divisions and what I find there, but I'll be putting them out on Twitter. Go check out those. If you haven't seen those yet, I'll be doing them over the next couple of days. And then we'll get into breaking down what these projections look like over the next two weeks, trying to break it down into the AFC and NFC South as long as I'm able to get through it over this week. Perfect. And again, make sure you are part of the Patreon. I mentioned it before, hands down, the best fantasy football community you can be a part of is Destination Debbie. Patreon.com forward slash all gas. If you're in the Heisman tier, you're going to have access to all of the Destination Debbie content creators. You can ask your questions, get expert advice from all of the content creators here. Um, and again, incredible strategy conversations that go down in there all day, every day. If you can't make it in the Heisman tier, still have access to the trade channels, the general chat that where you can ask questions, we can break down rosters, things like that. Just the best place to be. Make sure you check it out. Patreon.com forward slash all gas. So with that being said, let's wrap out of here. And thank you so much for joining us here on the overreaction podcast. <laughs>